What's going on, family? It's Kilo, the host of the regular podcast, and we are back for another episode on the regular network. It's real. Okay. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I do have some heavier type of topics, you know, political and social type of things I wanted to discuss, but I won't get too deep into them because I don't want this to take forever, but these are some things I just feel like I need to touch on. First of all, sorry for missing a week. I missed a week because, you know, my son, my baby boy, he just turned one like two weeks ago and I took him on a father-son road trip, man. We, we went, we hit the road, yo. We, we got a vehicle, went up north to my hometown, Ohio. I let him put his feet on the soil, you know, breathe some of that, that air that raised me. Did, did the thing in Pennsylvania a little bit, went over to Maryland, chilled with my dad for a little bit, my uncle, shot down to Virginia, and then we came back to Atlanta, man. So, you know, for him to be 12 months old, he, he really held it down. You know, he did what he had to do, and he, he stuck by me. He did a little bit of whining, though, so I'm going to have to break him out of some of that whining that he had going on. But overall, it was a good trip. You know, we we... Did all of that traveling in like five days. So that's a lot for a one-year-old, if you didn't know. For me, that's normal, but for him, that was a lot. He, he's never really been in a car for longer than an hour at all. So, you know, we had a good time. But that's the reason that I was out last week. I have been dropping the clips, though, so y'all can always go check the clips out. If you, if you don't want to watch the full episodes, go check the clips. Plenty of information in those. I seen one of the clips I put out about the black Americans versus Latino cultural clash. You know, that's making a lot of noise on like TikTok and YouTube and things like that. A lot of people have opinions on that. Even on Twitter, a lot of people have opinions on that. Um, My point of that video or that clip was not to say, it really wasn't too much of my opinion on the topic. It was more so me saying that it's not being discussed at all. It's almost like the mainstream media wants everybody to think there is no problem between the groups. And there is a problem. People just need to talk about it, discuss the problem if you ever want it to be fixed. If you want to keep acting like it doesn't exist, it will never be fixed. That's just the truth. You know, I'm I'm just sick of us acting like Everybody who votes Democrat is on the same page. Everybody who's not white is on the same page. It's not true. Everybody's not on the same page. There's a lot of history. There's a lot that we haven't been discussing because everybody is focusing on black people versus white people or Latino people versus Republicans and conservatives and things like that. When a lot of Latino people are conservative themselves and they voted for Trump as well. So there's a lot not being discussed. That needs to be discussed in this country, in America. Since the last time we spoke, Brittany Griner has been sentenced to nine years in Russian prison. So, y'all remember we covered the Brittany Griner situation when she had first pled guilty. I guess in Russia, you can plead, like, you know, in, in America, like, if you plead guilty then you pretty much get convicted, like, right then. But I guess in Russia, you can plead guilty, but they still deliberate and decide if they want to 
convict you from there and they convict you and sentence you at a different time. So she got convicted and sentenced to nine years in prison for less than one gram of THC oil. And like I, like I read to y'all before, the rule that they had out there in Russia, pretty much anything under six grams is considered an administrative offense. It's pretty much like a, a low-level misdemeanor. Like in America, what would be a traffic ticket? It's supposed to be like that. You can go to jail for it, but they normally don't lock you up for it. It's, it's, you know, you get a citation and you normally pay a fine. You might have to do some community, what we call in America community service. I think they call it like corrective labor out there in Russia. So they cooked her, man. So nine years for that. I'm assuming that they gave her the nine years just to make it, make the pressure a little bit more for America because um, uh, Russia wants the arms dealer, the merchant of death, they want him released. And then they want America to go get a prisoner from Germany also and then trade both of those people for Brittany Griner and then uh, an American spy who they have locked up in Russia right now. So, or yeah, and he's, a, he's like an old spy or he was convicted of spying or something like that. So Russia is really putting the heat on it. And, and that's why I say, you know, celebrity culture in America is going to get us caught up. They feel like they could just take a celebrity and we'll, we'll do whatever they say. It's because we kind of will because they know that Americans see ourselves through the lens of celebrities a lot of times. So we as Americans, and I'm saying me specifically, but just America as a whole, if we see something happen to a celebrity, that's when we take it more seriously. Even, even when COVID started to spread in America, a lot of people didn't take it serious before like Tom Cruise got it, or was it Tom Cruise? Tom Hanks, before like Rudy Gobert in, in the NBA and before they started to see celebrities test positive, that's when they started taking it serious. That's just how America is, man. So, you know, I still stand on my, my statement about America is being hypocritical by telling another country they need to let somebody out for, for weed offenses when America has a lot of people locked up for weed offenses. I just seen down in Mississippi, a man got life for less than two ounces of weed. So, you know, we, we, we got a lot that we need to deal with before we get to telling other people what they should be doing with their prisoners. You know, we got a lot of people, we have like two, America having a small percentage of the, of the world population, we have 25% of the world's prisoners in our, in our country. America has a large prison population. A lot of that, is for nonviolent drug offenses. Again, pot calling the kettle black, okay? Uh, something that I wanted to discuss that was on a more serious side, because I've been seeing a lot about this critical race theory, and um, I haven't discussed it on the podcast before, but I, I want to now. And it's mainly because I'm seeing that the whole switcheroo is happening right now. It's a lot of trickery going on with this critical race theory topic. Right. So essentially, if you don't know, critical race theory is a theory that was created back in like 1989 by a lady named Kimberly Crenshaw, a black lady named Kimberly Kent Crenshaw. She's a professor at Columbia University and UCLA, very intelligent lady. And she also created the term inter intersectionality, you know, the study of, you know, two groups and how they meet at 
adversity, you know, or how they meet in adverse situations, go through things. She created that. She also created critical race theory. And this has pretty much been brought back to life um, when a guy named Christopher Rufo, who was a right wing think tank fellow, I don't know who this guy is, I'm not familiar with him, was on Tucker Carlson's show and he brought it up and he said, hey world, you need to beware of this critical race theory thing. They're trying to indoctrinate our kids. They're going to make our kids think that America is just racist. And he called Donald Trump to action. This is back in 2020. He told Donald Trump, Donald Trump, you need to do something about this immediately because they're about to, they're going to ruin America by teaching the kids that America is just inherently racist. So Donald, and Donald Trump being a fan of Fox News or whatever, he went on and, you know, wrote a bill saying that he banned critical race theory just wherever he could. Wherever he was able to, he, he banned it, right? So once... Biden won the election. He went and like reversed Donald Trump's ban. So critical race theory had been legal again. But by that point, though, a bunch of states already jumped on the on the Trump and Tucker Carlson and this Christopher Rufo guy's bandwagon. And they decided to put their own bans in place of what they a, a lot of these bans that these states put in place to me, don't exactly look like CRT bans, critical race theory bans. They look like flat-out bans on teaching any history that involves discussing racism or sexism, right? And that's why I said it was a, it was a whole switcheroo that they did. They did the dog whistle thing, and states caught wind of it, and they used that as an opportunity to stop teaching accurate history as it relates to race in America, which... A large part of what went on that built American history, that built America throughout its history is race related and racism related. So to leave it out means you flat out don't want to teach the accurate history. And that's why I feel like we we kind of fail for we fail for this thing of fighting for CRT. And then these states when it said. They acted like they were banning CRT, but they weren't. They were really just banning discussing race. And they, some states took it so far as they can't even discuss anything that will make a child feel discomfort or guilt. So now if a white kid feels guilty about some type of history in America, they, a, a school can't teach that. And some of these states even gave parents the power to be able to sue the school if they violate these rules, these new laws. Right? Um, some of these laws haven't passed yet. They're just bills. They're attempting to be passed. Like Georgia is one of them. There's a whole list of states. I don't think it'll pass in Georgia because some of these bills are against teaching uh, race, you know, different race topics and sex topics and sexual orientation topics. Some of this stuff won't pass. I'll just tell you a list of the states that they have. And this is according to Forbes uh, early, early in 2022, February 2022, Forbes did a an article listing the states that were banning CRT. So let me just give you a rundown. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, 
Pennsylvania, South Carolina, North D South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Washington State, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Damn near half the states or more have banned the teaching of CRT, not only in K through 12 um, instruction, public education, in colleges, and in state agencies. So they can't even do any training, like training of employees. Let's say the post office has a race incident. The bosses and managers in the post office couldn't even sit these guys down and, and teach them train do training you know sensitivity training based on race you know back in the day if you had an incident or if there was something going on in the public organizations would do sensitivity training or something along those lines where they would then teach people the history so that they would can understand where people are coming from when they make certain complaints in the workplace but these states are banning state agencies from being able to do that and i said the post office that's a federal agency but state agency so if you wanted to you know, let's just say the, you know, the state public health services, if, if there was an incident and they wanted to teach against racism, they weren't, they, they're not allowed to do it in a lot of these states. So, like I said, the switcheroo, they took this CRT thing too far, and now you're going to have it to where they can't even teach the kids in school that people were enslaved based on race in America. That would fall again that would that would go against the ban. So you can't even teach that now. There I seen some books of what they're teaching the kids now about slavery. They're teaching them that immigrants were forced to build build the country or build buildings and pick cotton and things. They're calling them immigrants. They can't even call them slaves. They can't say that they were black people who worked against their will, who were brought here, drugged from their homeland homeland. That's that will be against the law. In a lot of these states and it's ridiculous because if you are against crt which um the idea of crt is very complex it's not something that just discusses race it's a very complex uh, uh theory that kimberly crenshaw came up with and i'm not against it it's, it's more so something that you would learn in college it's a college level type of thing they wouldn't have been teaching kids CRT anyway. So that's where the switcheroo came in with the, a lot of the conservatives acting like teaching that slaves were black in America or people were enslaved based on their race in America. That's not CRT. That's just what happened. CRT is to look at, thing, is to look at what's happening in America structurally and say, how does racism play a part in the structure of this thing in America? That's CRT. But they flipped it for this argument's sake, and now they're banning the teaching of history in America. Okay? So the, these people with power right now are on the side of inaccurate history. And not, not everybody, but the people in power in a lot of these states are against the accurate teaching of history. That's what you have to call it. We're not, we're not arguing for CRT in schools or against CRT in schools. First of all, CRT makes a lot of sense in college. In a college setting, there's a lot of courses that get into the theory of different structural ideologies in any country. So that's college level stuff. What they're doing with the schools is not that. CRT in public schools was, it, was never a thing anyway. They were never teaching that in school, in public K through 12 schools. So to ban it in K through 12 and then to ban it in state agencies is, is just a little bit crazy to me. 
And again, I only wanted to discuss this because I haven't talked about it before. And I kept on seeing the discussion popping up and I'm like, you know, why are they mixing up CRT with teaching history in schools? But it looks like these people have won because it's banned in a lot of states now. And, and again, they, these, a lot of these rules don't say anything about CRT. They say forbid the teaching or affirming of certain concepts connected to gender, religion, or race. That's Alabama. It doesn't say CRT. It says, uh, it says four bills are pending in Alabama. House Bill 7, House Bill 9, House Bill 11, House Bill 312, aimed at K-12 through and colleges, forbidding the teaching or affirming of certain concepts connected to gender, religion, or race. Instructors cannot be, cannot be required to share their view about widely debated and currently controversial topics or issues. Right? So when you use vague language like that, it's very up to interpretation and you can be punished if you, let's say you didn't think you were breaking these rules, but if a staff member or if a parent thinks that you've broken one of these rules and you discuss something that's currently controversial or widely debated and you didn't realize it, you were, you were just discussing American history because that's what you do as a teacher, you can be fired and the school can be sued, right? And, and with them allowing schools to be sued, that will make schools go extra hard to ensure that their teachers do not teach anything race related, which is flat out ridiculous. It's the world we're living in, though, man. It's the world we're living in. Like I said, I want, I want y'all to do some more research on it, do some digging. You know, this full list of states that are banning teaching accurate race history or accurate history in America, because you can't teach the history of America without discussing race. It's just too intertwined into too many things. How do you even discuss the period after the Civil War without discussing race? The period in America after the Civil War without discussing race. Essentially, the only way to not discuss race in America is to teach American history and never mention black people at all. That's the only way you can do it. If you mention black people in American history, you will have to mention racism because even with the great things that we have done in this country, we had to do it despite what we were facing at that time. You can't make it seem like George Washington Carver was out here uh, inventing all of the stuff he was inventing without getting a lot of pushback and having to deal with different white people trying to take his inventions from him or discoveries from him. Okay, you can't, you can't teach one without the other. But whatever. I want y'all to check that out, man. Critical Race Theory. Uh, salute to Kimberly Crenshaw. She was just out here living a normal life and she was mainly, Critical Race Theory is old, 30-year-old thing. She was pumping intersectionality more than anything. Her podcast that she has is about intersectionality. This guy on Tucker Carlson's show is the one who brought critical race theory back up to the mainstream she that wasn't where her main focus was so now with it being a big topic she's lit again and it, you know it's turned up i will uh i do i think y'all should go do some reading on that man very interesting topic and that lady is extremely intelligent like i said works at columbia university and ucla 
So there's another thing I want to discuss because I'm in podcasting and I'm a fan of a lot of other podcasts. I knew this was happening, but I didn't know how many other people in academia were looking at into it. Excuse me. And what they're calling it is podcast payola. Bloomberg Magazine or Bloomberg Business Week, they did an article. The writer's name is Ashley Carmen. They did an article about guests paying to be on popular podcasts. And they're pay- this is the headline. Podcast guests are paying up to $50,000 to appear on popular shows. And it is, it is very interesting, man. First of all, let me say, payola being illegal in America in my opinion, is due to racism. Okay, let's be clear. You, they, so they say payola is pretty much, if you know, if you pay a DJ to play your music on the radio or whatever like that, or if you pay a DJ to play your music, right? That's considered payola and it's illegal, like against the law. You can get in trouble for it. But it's interesting though, because you can pay a radio station and they can play your music as at, in the advertisement slot. So, I can't pay a DJ to play my music, but I can pay the owner of a radio station to advertise my music. That's also the same thing. It's payola, but it's legal. So pretty much you can pay owners, but you can't pay employees. The reason I say that's racist is because when this rule was put in place, most of the radio stations were owned by white people. I mean, still today, most of the radio stations are owned by white people. Radio One is, is a big player in the game, but Clear Channel or iHeart is the biggest. They own most of the radio stations in the country, right? So I can't go pay DJ Envy to play my music. That's illegal. He can go to jail for that. But I can pay iHeart, and they can tell Envy, hey, play this song. Or they can't tell Envy, but it'll be in the spots where advertisements are at, and the music will play like that. Right. So that's why when you hear artists say my label didn't support me or they did support me, they pushed the button and now my song was everywhere. That pushing the button thing is paying for ads. Paying for ads means my song is being played where you would normally hear a commercial on a radio station. So that's why when some people say, man, they keep on playing the same songs all day, every day it's because it's been it's been paid for. That's an advertisement, just like you hear the O'Reilly's commercial all the time, just like you might have heard you know, a subway commercial all the time. You're going to hear the music in the same type of format, in the same type of spot or slot. So that's legal, but I can't give Envy some money out of my pocket, save some money. So just think about it. Who, Who does that benefit more than anything? The government? I don't get why the government cares if a DJ gets some money to play something. If it's my radio show and I have spots and I can let people play their music, why would the government care that somebody paid me to play the song? Why, why would they care? The, the reason they would care is because lobbying, right? So you, you, if you're a powerful radio station owner, you would say, hey, guys, my friends that are lawmakers, you know, tap them on the shoulder. Can, I need y'all to make this thing illegal. We need to make it illegal for people to accept money. We want to monetize music. We want to get paid off the music just like artists and labels get paid off music. So I can get paid to play your music, but I'll just call it an advertisement. So make it illegal for anybody else to accept money. Let 
The only people that can accept money to play music, let it be us. And that's, that's how we got this system. And it's in place still today, and it doesn't make any sense. Right? But people just, you know, accept anything. But anyway, podcasting is still relatively new. So there's no rules against payola in podcasting. So what's happening right now is people are finding, first of all, let me just read a little bit from... Let me read a little bit from this article. This is a great article. Bloomberg is not a free public publication, publication, but they'll let you read like a couple free articles before you have to pay. So if you can find this article, find it. It's a good one. I might even put the link on, on the video in the YouTube description, right? This thing starts out, welcome to the golden era of pay-for-play podcasting when guests pay handsomely to be interviewed for an entire episode. In exchange, the host gets some revenue, fills out the programming calendar, and might bag a future advertiser. So that's another thing. They use this. they're, They're interviewing people. They're charging people to be interviewed, right? So let's say you might be watching Mike Tyson's podcast. Right. And you might have seen somebody on there. That person paid to be on Mike Tyson's podcast. And Mike Tyson is like, OK, I'll just interview you. We'll make this seem like a natural conversation. And they're going to sell you something. But you don't realize they're selling you something. You think that they're just having a conversation with Mike Tyson and telling Mike Tyson what business they're in. The whole time, they're actually only on there to get as many of Mike Tyson's listeners as possible to purchase whatever it is they're selling, whether it be a product, a service, a course, something. That's the only purpose they're up there. And this is a lot bigger than a lot of people, a lot of people realize. I, the, the reason that I knew about it before this article came out is because, and I, and I was, and not, I didn't just have a hunch. I knew for sure because there was a dispute about million dollars worth of game, Gillian Wallow's podcast, and Tony the Closer. So Tony the Closer went on Clubhouse and pretty much said that his his main issue with the show and why he left and why he's slandering their name and everything like that is because they cut him out of a business deal to have business people pay to get on his podcast. The him 500 deal was the $50,000 deal that started with the whole shit. I brought him oh. 500 to Wallow and Gilly. I could tell them niggas needed, needed something to infuse their business. I said, yo, I got like eight niggas that want to get on the show. I'm going to charge all of them against $50,000 to be on the show. I don't want nothing out of it. I said, y'all been helping me blow up my shit. I said, listen, I don't want nothing. Gil said, nah, Tone, we'll break that shit down three ways when you bring people on. So I said, all right, cool. I got seven, eight niggas that's ready to get on the show. Lined up all the people. I brought him 500 up. Him 500 came with, with the 50000 So Tony DeCloser says that he brought... A guy named Him 500 onto the Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast, and that guy paid them fifty thousand dollars to be on there. And Tony, the closer, was telling them, Him 500 is not the only one. There's a host of other business people in that same realm that will also pay fifty thousand dollars. And he said that he had eight people lined up to pay fifty thousand dollars to be on that podcast. And now what that podcast does is a business spotlight where they have a whole segment, maybe a 10-minute segment, and they'll let these people pay to come on their show and advertise whatever it is that they do. Some of them might do, they might teach courses on how to get into Airbnb. They might teach courses on how to do Toro car renting. They might teach courses on whatever. But all of them come on this show. They have, uh, 
you know, promotional codes where you can get discounts. Or they might be selling you an ebook. They, whatever it is, they all paid to be up there. And this is a 10-minute advertisement in the middle of the podcast. So, and they're paying big money. I would say probably $20,000 because of what other, you know, what Tony the Closer said. <clears throat> so they're paying about $20,000 to be on a, in, for a 10-minute advertisement slot. And I'm assuming that Gilly and Wallow have, are using the numbers from their past episodes and they're using feedback from other guests or advertisers who've been on their show and using that information to set their price. Okay? So it's big business, man. They actually have... They, they got word from a, um, a, from a U.S. regulator at the Federal Trade Commission. Or, I'm sorry. A federal, uh, FTC Commission spokesperson, he gave, they gave a, you know, their statement. Not an official statement on any specific show, but just their statement on Payolan podcasting as a whole. And what they said is, Regardless of the medium in which an advertising or promotional message is disseminated, deception occurs when customers acting reasonably under, under the circumstances are misled about its nature, nature or source. And such misleading impression is, I'm sorry, and such mis misleading impression is likely to affect their decisions or conduct regarding the advertised product or the advertising. Essentially, what they're saying is, a person is more likely to make a purchase if they see that a person that they're a fan of appear to endorse somebody else. In actuality, they're not endorsing that person. They are paid to advertise them. And people, if they knew that that was a paid advertisement, they might not view that information the same way. So this FTC spokesperson is saying every podcast or... It, not podcast or whatever. It doesn't matter what you have. You need to let people know that you are being paid to disseminate this information. Right? Because you could mislead people. And I kind of, I agree with that. Because all you have to do, and, and you don't have to like have this big banner that says this is an advertisement. Before or after your show, you can put a disclaimer. Some, this podcast may include information that is paid promotion or whatever you know you say it before or after the podcast because you could literally trick people into thinking you endorse something that you don't endorse because when people start to sue celebrities and podcasters and say hey you you told us about this guy and he's a scammer you're gonna say i don't endorse that but you do you kind of are endorsing it unless you tell everybody this is an advertisement okay so y'all be careful when y'all accept the money from business people who you, you don't have any way to vet or you don't know anything about them except for the fact that they have a lot of money. Let me, there's, a, there's actually, actually a full platform out there called Guestio. And it's a platform that will connect podcasts with guests or connect potential guests with podcasts. And, you know, they'll be the medium where you can go directly to people who want to pay to be on a platform and they'll pay you to be on your platform, right? So... Online platform Guestio has raised more than $1 million to build a marketplace devoted entirely to brokering paid guest appearances. Travis Chappell, Guestio's founder and chief executive officer, points out that people often pay public relation firms to pitch them to podcasts as potential guests. He believes their money is better spent going directly to the podcaster. 
So it's pretty much like I forget what that platform is called where uh, where they pay the celebrity to shout them out. But it's pretty much like one of those type of things. You get to connect directly to people. So if I want to get on hot boxing with Mike Tyson, I don't have to jump through hoops to try to find his manager's contact information. If he's on that platform, I can go directly to him from there and say, "Hey, man, I got fifty thousand dollars. Can you let me? Can you interview me?" And I and they might accept it. You know, it is an interesting thing here. Look, so as a guest, it says Manny Pacquiao charges fifteen thousand dollars for for an appearance on the Guestio app. On Guestio, the flow of money sometimes reverses directions and a podcaster provides payment to land a particularly coveted vest guest such as Manny Pacquiao who charges 15000 for an appearance. Chapel says that many of the shows Guestio works with make disclosures to listeners about fees but says his platform should do a better job of having a script. So even Guestio is admitting that they need to, you know, give a script to these shows to let them know, hey, this is how you legally cover yourself, okay? Let it be known that there was some money exchange for this slot. Guestio is probably about to make some changes so that they can allow their users to know how this works. Since 2020, according to Chapel, Guestio has paid out more than $300,000 to podcasters and guests. So $300,000 is not a lot in the grand scheme of podcasting, but this is a brand new business, right? And it's kind of a new thing that's being discovered by a lot of people in the podcast game. So they're thinking that a lot of a lot of times that people are having all these guests because just relationships and people just got the guests. But really, they have these guests because they're either paying the guests or the guests are paying to be on the show. Mostly because they feel like they can make the money back in other ways. Right. OK, so 300,000 podcasts and guests in just pat in just the past six months, four podcasters on the platform have made more than twenty thousand dollars from guest appearance fees, including one who took in fifty thousand dollars. Although Chapel has a, has a set a standard price, he suggests podcasters charge $100 to $150 per thousand listeners on their program, which is a lot better than what YouTube will pay you for a listen or SoundCloud or anybody else. So if you can get $100 for every thousand people that listen to you, you can, your podcast can make some amazing money, right? The top earning show on the platform is called Entrepreneurs on Fire, a daily program that highlights various businesses. John Lee Dumas, his host and creator, says he mostly receives guests, guest inquiries through his website and currently charges $3,500 for an appearance. Okay. I mean, this, this whole payola thing is very interesting, man. They say that the... They, they say the top people who pay to be on podcasts are like business people, crypto people, and like lifestyle brand type people. So it, it's pretty interesting, man. You have, uh, let's see, there's a lawyer here that gave, let's see. Nonetheless, some PR professionals discourage their clients from partaking. It's a gray area, but it's payola, says John Beer, CEO and founder of public relations firm Jack Taylor. If I get into that game, I'm getting into just the opposite of what I believe in, which is curation, creativity, and authenticity. So they feel like if you're paying to be on shows or if you're accepting money for shows, it's just not authentic. 
You know, you're really selling out the authenticity of the craft of podcasting. Can't say I disagree. I don't know. I would, if you want to pay to be on my show, hit me up. I don't have a guestio account, but hit me up. We can discuss it. I don't have many, many listeners, so, you know, but we can figure something out here. You understand? There's a lot of crazy information in here, man. I definitely, I, I feel like I just, I need to put this link in uh, the description because y'all have to, y'all have to watch, uh, read this. This is a very, very interesting article. I wonder how, I wonder if podcasts will come out and start to be honest and say, yes, we, we take money for guests. Because it's, it's a great revenue stream, I would say. If you can make that much money for somebody to sit there and like million dollars worth of game, they put. They don't interview those people for the full episode. They give them like 10 minutes and they put it within maybe a highly anticipated episode. Like let's say if the Mace or Five Year Foreign episode, if you got your business spotlight put on that episode, the, the amount of eyeballs that would be on your segment are tremendous. You know, so they, they maybe can even charge more than a lot of other platforms, even platforms that have more viewers in them because the amount of people that are going to see that segment, you know, it's very interesting, man. But look, that's all I got for y'all today. I, like I said, I didn't want to take too much of your time. But, you know, podcast, payola, critical race theory, a host of other things, you know, family road trip, all that good stuff, man. That that was how my week went. i just been reading and keeping up with the news. And, you know, hopefully Brittany Griner can, can be released. And hopefully America can release a whole lot of the people that have been locked up for the same thing. Weed possession. You know, being caught at the airport with some with some personal pan, we, you know, let those people out too. You understand? That's all I got for y'all. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe to the network. If you want to see what the merch is hitting on, you go to www.theregularnetwork.com slash shop and get your gear right. You know, don't drink when sad merch available. That's the motto. And that's it.